Alright, Bokatov, we're in Shemuel Bet, chapter 18, also in verse oh, 19, verse 19. And what happened like yesterday? What happened in the previous segment? So, you, uh, so they found Avshalom stuck between the heavens and the earth. He was, he was hung between the, the, the sky and the earth by his hair, the hair that was the cause of his arrogance. And uh, for the first, there is one soldier who approaches and he doesn't do anything. So Yoav says, why don't you kill him? He said, what do you mean? Why would I kill him? David, David is all-knowing. And he said not to. You know, he told you, he told Itai, he told Avishai, he told everyone. And then the servant says, and then Yoav says, okay, I'm not going to wait for you. So he kills him, and then Yoav's henchmen, they also come and they finish the job. But Yoav killed him. Yeah, Yoav ends up uh, piercing him. And then his hen- ten henchmen come and they finish the job and they kill up Shalom. Then Yoav blows a shofar, stopping the war that already had taken 20,000 lives. They throw up Shalom in a pit. They cover the pit with stones. And then the last pasuk that we read told us, or tells us, that in Absalom's life, he had created a monument and uh, that was called Yad Absalom. And the Radak explains that the reason the, Pasukim is, the Pasuk is telling us that Absalom had created a monument is because eventually, it's not explicit in the text, but eventually Absalom's body was moved from the pit with stones to his monument. Now, the reason he made this monument was because he didn't have any male descendants What's interesting is that we thought he was, I thought he was young. It's like, why would you make a monument for yourself for, because you don't have any descendants as if there's no hope for you to have any descendants? You got what I'm saying? And Pasuk says, Avshalom in his life, he made himself in his, uh, a, a shrine or a, uh, um, uh, what do you call it, like a... I don't know, let's call it a shrine that was in the valley of the king because he said in the ven I don't have a son that's there by, by which my name will be remembered or mentioned so it's like interesting maybe you just knew he was infertile or something maybe Absalom was infertile very very odd right like how why, why would he just give up especially in those days okay you can't have kids with one Wife, they would take another wife and another wife and another wife until they had they had a son. So, like, why would he? Why was he ready? So it's, it's just very strange. I don't know what's going on there uh, in that pasuk, but maybe it plays into psychology. Maybe it, it's one of the driving forces behind him rebelling against David. Maybe yeah, it's. It talks about this in the. No. What does it say? It says the Talmud Sota offers two possible solutions. Avshalom's sons had died before this, or Avshalom meant to say that he. Had no sons who were worthy of taking his place. Hmm. According to Josephus, Josephus, Absalom's Josephus, sons were indeed alive and well, but he was so vain that he built the monument in case all his descendants might perish. Wow, so there are three opinions. There are three opinions. One is that his descendants perished. Two is that they perished, but they weren't Sadiqim, which I, I find trouble believing. I find it hard to believe that one. Three was that, according to Josephus, who's just a historian in the, around the end of the destruction of the second temple, Josephus says that he was so vain that he built the monument just in case his sons died so that he would have like a, something to be remembered by. In any event, it goes, it, 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 maybe it plays into the fact that he's rebelling against David. He's clearly very vain. Clearly has a, 
an insecurity around him not having descendants. So maybe his claim he needs to he needs a claim to fame. Maybe he's obsessed with fame and with recognition, which is why he's he's rebelling. Okay, so that was that story of Shalom is now dead. What happens next? Pasuk Yutet. Ba'chimat ben Sadok Amar Arut Sanava Abasirai Tamelech Kishefato Adonai Miad Oyevav. Achimat, the son of Tzadok, who was the other messenger, by the way. There's Achimat, son of Tzadok, and Yonatan ben Evyatar. Mm-hmm. Right, so only Achimat, which I don't know the reason why only Achimat is going. But Achimat, the son of Tzadok, who we said was the main one. Evyatar wasn't the main one, Tzadok was the main one. I was the main Kohen. Okay, he says, I'm going to go run and I'm going to give the king the good news because today God has judged him favorably against his enemies. So you have answers. You're not a man of good news today. You should give him good news on another day, meaning another time. Save your uh, trigger happiness to give good news to David for another day. Why? You shouldn't give him good news today. Because at the end of the day, the son of the king is dead. He died. Well, Yoav killed him, but he said the, the son of the king is dead. Yoav then said to a, uh, a kushi, like a non-Jewish Canaanite, uh, there are different interpretations as to who this was. One opinion says it was just some random non-Jew mercenary soldier, running man kind of guy who was from somewhere in Africa. Another opinion is that it was actually the same man who refused Yoav, the guy that refused Yoav, and told him, I'm not going to kill Avshalom. It was that guy. But whoever it is, uh, there is some kushi. So Yoav tells him, go run to the king, and the kushi bows and he starts running. Okay? Why? Because Yoav knows that the news that's going to come to David is not good. So he doesn't want to send the Kohen... The Achimat, the son of the Kohen, this pure, first of all, who's young and who's a kid and who's from this pure holy family, it's like, it's like sending the rabbi to go be the bearer of bad news. Like, it's, not, it's not respectful, it's not appropriate. You don't make the rabbi do something like that. Actually, we do. Actually, we do. In a sense, we do. But this is war, you know? Yeah. If, like, you don't, like, uh, the, the, the chaplain of the army is not going to go and, and bear the news of the death of something. He's like, he just... Actually, he probably does that also. <laughs> now that I'm thinking of it, I don't think they probably do. But, uh, okay, you could understand why here uh, Yoab thought it wasn't the right thing to do. He wanted to send the non-Jew to bear this bad news because it's bad news at the end of the day. You don't want the... He's a young kid. He's a kid. the way he was saying it. Like, he worded it. Hashem has granted him justice from his enemies and Yoab is saying, no, his son is dead. Right, but at the end of the day, he did grant him justice from his enemies. Yeah, he's saying it like, you know, it shouldn't be like a, a happy moment. It's not be right. So what's clearly happening is that Achimatz is a little bit youthfully ignorant in that he thinks like, oh, David is so happy, he's going to be so happy that the rebellion is over. And Yoav, who knows David a lot more intimately, says like, I know David, he's not going to be so happy about the victory because he already hated himself this whole time. He already thinks this whole thing is for his sins. So he's not going to be like overjoyed by this victory because the whole thing started because of his sin with Bathsheba. Okay? And then at the same time, he's going to be much more concerned with the death of Avshalom. So 
you think you're giving them good news, it's not going to be good news. It's not good for you. Now, there's another perush that says Yoav is, is giving him this, this kid a lesson in politics. He's saying it won't be politically beneficial for you to go tell David this news because it's not actually going to be received as good news. In that sense, Yoav is, is, is like training him, like, like worry about your political self and only put yourself in a position in which you're seen favorably. Which, in which case, Yoav is just, uh, what's it called, politicking, okay? Uh, which would be a negative thing on Yoav's part. Achimatz keeps pressuring Yoav and he says, what do you mean? Vihima, be what it is. Arutsana gam ani, aharea kushi. I'm going to run after also this kushi guy. He said, Why do you want to run so bad? You don't have. Uh, this will not provide any benefit for you. Oh, that's what, how they translated it? I, I thought it means, and you don't have any good news. Uh, thing, the new the news won't provide any benefit for you, or you don't have any good news, or something along those lines. Vihima aruts, and he says, "Be it, be it as, as it is, I'm going to run." So Yoav says, "Okay, go." Kind of gets sick of him. And Achimatz runs by way of the the plane. I don't know how they translate the kikar, plane. the plane. But he, and he passed the kushi. So Achimatz, in his uh, youthful uh, excitement. Was able to overtake the kushi, so he actually is going to get to David first. David and David is sitting between the two gates, which is just like a, a lookout point in the city. Not sure exactly how it looked. And and the the seer went to the to the roof, to the wall. He lifts his eyes and he sees there's a man running by himself. And he calls out to the king. And the king says, if this guy is coming alone, then he has good news. And he approached and he was coming closer. Why did David know that if he's alone, he's coming with good news? Very simple, because when people are running away from a lost battle, they all run at the same time. It's all like hectic, chaotic. Everybody's running away. So that's not what's happening here. People... They won the battle, so they're in no rush to get back. They're going to get back in an organized way. And they probably just sent one person ahead of them to give the good news, and they're going to take their time as they come back. Why would they rush if they just won? Mm-hmm. So he says, if he's alone, then it's good news. And the guy continues to come. And then the seer sees another man running. And he calls to the gatekeeper. And he says, this guy... Uh, um, there's another man running. He says, there's another man running alone. And, says, and then the king says, this one is also bringing good news. So you have two people. David says, if they're both running alone, then they're both giving good news. Meaning it's still not chaotic enough that we could assume it's bad news. Okay. So uh, the seer says, I see the first one. It looks like Achimat, son of Tzadok. And then the king says, this is a good man. So he's probably coming with good news. Which means what? He said, this is a good kid. He's a good boy. He's a good man. It means he's coming with good news. It means Yoav was right. Like, you're not the kind of guy who's supposed to give bad news. You're a good, naji little kid. You're a son of Kohen. You're young. 
don't, you're not the kind of guy who's supposed to give bad news. Shalom. So Achimatz called out and he says to the king, Peace unto you. He bows to the king, his face on the ground. He said, Blessed be Hashem your God, who enclosed the people who lifted their arms against the king. Meaning he trapped, entrapped the people who were your enemies, who rebelled against you. Blessed be Hashem. So he gives him the good news and let's see what he says about the bad news. King says, doesn't even answer that. He doesn't even say, Oh, Baruch Adonai. He doesn't say anything like that. He says, Is Avshalom okay? So now, Yoav is vindicated because he knows that the only thing on David's mind is Avshalom and he doesn't really care about the war. I saw a lot of, uh, of uh, tumult uh, and, and as the... Um, as the servant of the king was being sent by Yoav, uh, I, did, I didn't know what happened. I don't know, it was a difficult translation there. I saw but, the great commotion when Yoav sent the Kushi servant of the king. Oh, they added Kushi. Yeah, they added Kushi. And myself, your servant, I, and I do not know what happened. Uh, so whenever Yoav sent the Kushi and me, I, I, really, uh, I couldn't really see what happened. There was just a lot of commotion. But don't worry, it was good news. Now... Achimatz is lying. Yeah, because he knows very well. He just realized that Yoav is right. He just realized that Yoav was right and the king's going to get upset and that he should not have done what he just did. Okay, but youthful. You could definitely see a lot of youthful excitement in uh, Achimatz and uh, as the cause of his uh, blunder here. So the king says, turn and stand here. So no like gratitude, no thankfulness, just he's waiting for the next guy. The king should be happy. For God has judged you favorably against all of your rebels. So he says to the Kushi, I don't care. Is Avshalom okay? All of your enemies should be like this young boy of Shalom. And anybody who comes against you for bad meaning, he is deceased. And I curse anyone who ever wants to go against you, David. I curse them that their end should be the same as of Shalom's end. So ultimately the Kushi breaks it to David. But even the Kushi's way of saying it to David is like, he doesn't, he's not even like saying it as if it's a bad thing. He's not saying it as if David should be upset at it. He's saying like, Baruch Hashem, your enemies should end up like, like Avshalom. He's not saying it straight up either. It's kind of beating around the bush. It's like, may the enemies of my Lord... No, I, I interpreted... Enemies, Lord, you could interpret it like that. That like he's beating around the bush, but I... Be like your boy, I'm interpreting it as like, as like, don't worry. He didn't straight out say he died. I'm interpreting it the other way. I'm saying, yeah. I'm saying, I'm thinking it as like, don't worry... Let the rest of your enemies end up like this boy, like almost yeah, with a smile on his yeah, face. Yeah. And then and nobody, nobody is realizing that David is a lot less... Because let's think for a second. I think we have to understand David for a second. In his head, all of this is his fault. Yeah. Okay? So, if all, because of his sin with Bathsheba, all of this is happening. He is responsible for the death of 20,000 Jews right now. The rebellion started because of him. So... 
just because the rebellion ended, he's not excited. Because, because he still feels so regretful about what he did that now he's only back to square one. Meaning, that sin that he performed brought him all the way back down, caused him all this punishment and pain, and now he's recouping some of what he lost. So net, if you're looking net, like it's, if it's positive or negative for David, David is still negative like very intensely. Meaning, meaning if, if I was David, I would be thinking like, even after all of this, I wouldn't be Fire thinking like, I would be, I would be thinking like, oh, Baruch Hashem, yeah, the rebellion's over. I'd be thinking like, I'd be thinking like, wow, uh, okay, it's over. But like, I used to have everything, and now I have twenty thousand Jews dead because of me, and I have my son dead also. Two sons. Two sons dead. Like, what have I lost? You know. I feel like some of this also is like the sin with Bathsheba's. Has to be some of it has to be God's plan, God's will that. That he said. Take over. Right. I don't know. I mean, and be such a great yeah. king and build the Beit Hamikdash. We're, we're done. How much of it's that? We'll continue with Zerushim tomorrow, but it's very interesting to understand David, what's going on. It, it's not something to be so happy about. You know, it's not like he won a, a battle. He he there was won. No good outcome for him. He he got saved from a civil war in which many people died, and his son died, and his mm-hmm. other sons already did. So like, for David's not going to be excited. Shalom, and kept right. Him in, he's not going to be excited from this. He's no matter what happens, he's at a loss, yeah. all because of that foolish thing that he did with Pasheva. Amen, amen.